there anything worse than a dull blade? Well, yeah, lots of things, I guess. Poverty, war, that feeling when you're just about to sneeze and then... Ah, man, nothing. Oh, wait, there it is. That feels better. Seriously, though, a dull blade is bad. It's unusable. In fact, it's downright dangerous. Knives need sharpening. From Whetstone Boys Ranch in Mountain View, Missouri, comes A Time to Sharpen, a bi-weekly podcast that examines how we can all be better versions of ourselves, better teachers, better counselors, better parents, better people. God is never not communicating with us. If we can't hear him, it's not his fault. We need to pay closer attention to the signs and signals he unceasingly sends us, taking time to reflect in contemplation and conversation. On this episode of A Time to Sharpen, we'll discuss how God speaks to us through our kids, students, or anyone in our care. It behooves us to learn how to listen to what they are telling us through their actions, not just their words. Welcome back to A Time to Sharpen. This is Axel Limita. I'm here with my partner in crime, Brandon Maxwell. Hello again, Axel. Hello, Brandon. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, you what? People probably don't know this just listening to the podcast, but you live, you live, sorry, you work right down the hall from me. Probably, how many steps would you say it is? Probably Probably 15? nine and a half. Nine Maybe and a half? 15, nine and a half steps. Yeah, it depends on how big over your under. Nine, I'm gonna go with the over. <laughs> You're gonna go the over. It depends on how you step, but I'm gonna go with the over on that maybe. Okay. Um, well, but pretty close. I can yell. I can open my door and yell down to Brandon. Yeah, uh, the walls are uh, pretty thin mm-hmm. actually. It's funny. Our therapist Katie emailed me mm-hmm. yesterday and said, "Hey, in the new house that, that we're building." Can we soundproof my uh, office? Yeah. I said, yep. <laughs> my sure office can. used to be right on top of hers, and now yeah. I've moved over one, so it's not as bad. But she used to text me, can you stop the tapping, you know? Can you turn down whatever? And it's like, oh, sorry about that. But yeah. I was like, are you saying that your current office yeah. is not soundproof? Right. A little right. In fact, we're so close that, like, on Zoom calls, I, if we're both on a Zoom call, I have to shut my door because I can... I can hear myself twice. Right, the Once, slight delay. Yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. But well, we do what we can with what we get. Those are working right. conditions, but they're, they're really nice, actually. I, I got to say, Gary Tucker designed this space back here and added these partitions and and made these offices happen for us because this used to be just a normal living house that we've repurposed. Yeah, as a kind of a sign of our growth and expansion and needing mm-hmm. more space. Yeah, so. But that's not why you guys tuned into this podcast, uh, which is called A Time to Sharpen. Uh, but we do like to up- update you guys a little bit and tell you a little bit about what's going on in our lives and the ranch. And had a couple things we wanted to mention right at the outset before we jump into our topic of of um, paying attention to God and listening to what he has to tell us. Um, we have, uh, actually, let's do that at the end. Let's just go in. Let's just jump in. Let's just do the thing. Let's do the thing. Jump into the podcast? Yeah. Just yeah, because I, I wanted to... Do the news later? Just do the news later, yeah. Right. Um, the the topic for today is is listening to God's voice, paying attention to what he has to tell us. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable. Sometimes he speaks to us in language that we cannot misunderstand, which is a phrase that my dad likes to use. 
at, which led to a lot of over-explaining on his part at times, which was a, a bit infuriating. I even find myself doing that sometimes with my own kids or with the boys here at the ranch. And You, you mean a lecture? Does it get well, into a lecture? No, it's different than a lecture. It's, yeah. it's over-explaining, like telling someone something that, that they, they, they already know how to do, um, but you're not sure that they know how to do it, so you want to make sure. So maybe it's a little bit of maybe anxiety on my part that it's not going to be done right, and so I want to over-explain it. But my dad would do that a lot, and uh, I can tell my daughter's really impatient with me. She's like, "Yeah, I know that. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. You know, okay, when you get it. that talk, I got. It, I got. It, I got. It, I got it." Um, and and some of that's just overconfidence on her part, and some of it's just me like needing to like take a chill pill and just trust that she's going to do it right. Yeah, knowing <laughs> knowing that she's probably not going to do it fully yeah. up to what your expectations are, but the lessons better learned right after where it's like they've already done the thing or done the thing wrong or it's like, well, I tried to explain it and this is kind of what I was thinking and you maybe have a little more yeah, maybe, leverage if you can just be patient through that. And, and maybe I need to check myself too and, and realize that I just have to let go and, and realize that it's okay if it's not done exactly the way that I want it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Unless someone gets hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that's probably where my, a lot of my dad's anxiety was coming from with his PTSD that he's struggled with for years and years that yeah. we didn't know about growing up, his experiences in Vietnam. He was wanting to make sure that everyone was safe and would, would take all these precautions to make sure it, it was going to be safe and... I was probably feeling some of that anxiety, I guess, which was maybe passed on to me. This has been a good counseling session, Brandon. Thank you for yeah letting me talk out my feelings <laughs> about well. I'm just thinking I'm kind of explaining things. Had one of those situations kind of this morning. I don't know if it's it wasn't necessarily an over explanation, but just kind of letting my emotions take control, maybe getting the cart before the horse. And it started with like last night, Evelyn had some things to do school-wise and she had a big pile of dishes. It was her dish night. And I just said, hey, she was kind of just overwhelmed. See this big pile of dishes. And I just said, look, I'll get the big pots and pans if you work on your music and, and your homework. And she said, okay, thanks. And anyway, she ends up, procrastinating and belaboring bedtime and not doing the things that she needed to do. She was just kind of hanging out and it got to be 10 o'clock and she hadn't done her music or her homework and the dishes were still there. And then this morning they were still there. She's like, well, I'll get up in the morning and do the dishes. And then she just kind of, her and Will started playing and they just were not really, I came out and they just were messing around when they had things to do. And so I just kind of automatically you know, got on to them. It's like, look, you guys got things to do and you guys are wasting time and just kind of had that whole talk. Yeah. And she had just said, dad, we were going to get to it. We were just kind of, it's not like we were going to keep playing football in the living room or whatever they were doing. Yeah. And anyways, it was just like, she wasn't doing what I wanted her to do right then and there. And instead of assessing the situation, I kind of, yes, she wasn't, she was procrastinating, but I could have handled it differently well and and to get around to what we were what we're going to talk about is like that's the way god is i think with us i mean if we put ourselves he's often portrayed in the bible as a father and and we're his children Mm -hmm. passages about children of israel and all this all these metaphors throughout 
is that I'm sure he's given us all these commands. He's given us all these things that we need to do that are good for us. And he knows that this is the right way to do it. And we drag our feet or we say, oh, yeah, I'll get around to that someday. Or we do it our own way. And sometimes he comes in and redirects us. And sometimes he says, fine, do it your way. You know, let me know how that works out for you. And, uh, and then when we do it wrong or we make a mistake, we come back and we're like, oh, you know, maybe we apologize. Maybe we're stubborn. Maybe we, we double down on our, our bad ideas and say, well, I just need to do it again and it'll work this next time. Yeah. Um, but listening to what God has to say to us and then following that advice, that's kind of the space we wanted to, to kind of dwell in today. And, and also listening to how God is speaking through our kids to us. Um, and from the, from the, the unique position that we're in is, is working with families that are struggling with boys to the point that, that all that communication is, has broken down and they're not listening to each other. Um, and there's a lot of blame going on. The parents are thinking the child is the problem. The child is thinking the parents are the problem. And usually there's, it's, there's enough blame to go around when, right. when things get to that, get to that place. And oftentimes that behavior that, that the, the child is exhibiting is a, is a smoke signal. It's a symptom of something that's going on either in the family or in the marriage or in something in that child's life that you don't know anything about. So we wanted to think about that today and, and talk through that process of how to listen with our eyes, with our ears, with our heart. Yeah, I think there's always a reason for behavior. The problem or the challenge is like it seems like today there's a thousand different avenues or roads to go down to try to uncover that problem or like where it's coming from because it's there could be a number of different things and things seemingly uh, are okay at home or there's but there's there's something there that is is causing this behavior and so I think for us as parents it's to be intentional we should be plugged into our kids lives anyways in a lot of different areas whether it's at school and sports and in their um, extracurricular activities whatever it is understanding whose house they're going to if they go and spend the night I mean there's so many different things and uh, that our kids can get exposed to at these different arenas that uh, sometimes we don't know exactly where yeah. problems can be well, especially when you have six so. kids right <laughs> I mean you got you're going in so many different directions you're, you're yeah. lucky to just make it through the end of the day got the uh, got the Brady Bunch going on yeah yeah but but yeah, I think, well, you know, there's, I think a big part of a good place to start maybe is the relationship, being honest with the relationship between you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to agree necessarily on every parenting technique and, and all of that, but how are, how are you treating your spouse what is the attitude that you're bringing to the table that your kids are seeing? Um, and are you being really short-tempered with her or is she being short-tempered with you? Um, I've been convicted of that, of just 
sometimes with Will, he can be impulsive with things and just kind of snap at uh, at his sisters and be a little more physical, like just like man, stop and like just kick Evelyn or something like that. And it's like, dude, you can't you can't do that. And so, but I've sometimes the way that I maybe will respond to Laura with something that I don't agree with. Um, I don't kick Laura, no. <laughs> but it's uh, good. but it's, it's good uh, yeah. But my response to her could be impulsive and not thinking mm-hmm. before I act. And so that is a big, the way we treat our spouse is, I think, a huge place to start because when our kids feel that our parents or their parents' relationship is on the rocks or they're arguing about something, it deals with the security in the home. Like they sure. feel insecure. And when the insecurity in the home is present, then you start having problems because that's a big deal to feel that security. Well, and and kids are already insecure enough. So, right. You know, the the trials and travails of childhood and, and trying to figure out who you are and what your place is in the world and, and how you relate to people in your family, people outside your family. I just had that conversation with my son last night about yeah. how it's been a difficult year for him trying to figure out who his, who his people are, you know, who, who, who gets me, who understands me. And I don't really understand myself either at this right. point. And so how do I, how do I identify with other people? And, um, you know, with the boys we work with, half of them, up to half of them at any given time are adopted. And so they're already in this situation where they're insecure and they don't know what to depend on and who to trust and when something's going to be ripped out from underneath them. So if they're coming into a family, even a good family, mm-hmm. that starts to display some of those cracks and some of those stresses and, and just the, it's normal. They might not know that this is just a normal part of what it is to be married. To them, it, it gets exaggerated to the point where they fear that everything's just going to fall off a cliff or the, the bottom's going to drop out at any point. Right, because it's already happened once yeah. for those kids. Yeah, so they know. start to distance themselves from, yeah. the, from that and prepare themselves for the pain that is inevitably going to come. And they do that in a number of ways, acting out in, and um, becoming ornery or grumpy or, or maybe risk-taking behaviors or experimenting with drugs or sex or all these things these are these are defense mechanisms designed to protect them from the pain of being in relationship with someone that's just going to disappoint them yeah i mean the way god designed it like our place of safety and security and nurturing is at home and that's you know to be able to have that foundation to because of all the stuff that you just mentioned at school and especially with the hormones and the age that, of the kids that we work with and just being the teenage years, there's so many things that you're kind of working through and your identity that you're trying to figure out. And faith is a part of that too. And just your home is a place to come and have that foundation and security. And so when that starts getting cracked and broken, then it's just like, what else do I got? If I feel like this is in danger, and there's no place to, to go. And, and that's kind of where mentally a lot of our kids go. And there's just such a barrage of things thrown at at them. And they're getting mixed signals a lot of times in school versus at home with just basic moral principles. And so mm-hmm. it's like, what do I believe? How do I know mom and dad are right? How do I know if the schools, what my like, teachers are right? You know, there's yeah. conflicting things. And it can be very 
distressing, disturbing, and then not really knowing where to find answers yeah. with all that. Well, let me lighten this up a little bit uh, and talk about another situation. I think the, the marriage one is a great one to start. If, if you see some smoke, right, uh, you start to see some behaviors that your child is exhibiting that are concerning. Take a look at what's going on in, in your life, what's going on in your marriage. Um, you might find some answers. Um, I'm not saying that we as parents need to take on all of the burdens and responsibility uh, for our, ch our children's choices. They, they have free will, they're gonna make their own choices. But you as a seeker of truth, as a follower of Christ, as a, as a person who's trying to learn and grow, need to be open to the possibility that there's something going on in my life that is manifesting itself in my child's behavior. So it's a place to start. We're putting on our Sherlock Holmes hats here and trying to figure out why my, why my son, my daughter is acting this way and what can I do to, to help. Another way that we can listen is and, and discover some answers and pay attention to what God may be telling us through our children is just what they're talking about, what they're sharing with us what they choose to, to be open about, uh, what they find funny, you know, uh, what they listen to, what they watch. So one thing that my son has taken to doing, which I thought I would share with you all, is reading my negative feedback on eBay. <laughs> he likes to get on my, my eBay account every once in a while and just check in on, on what people think of the old dad, mm -hmm. you know. Is he is he a swell guy or is he just a <laughs> rotten person? You know, one one of the just slime of the earth. He hears all know? the good stuff, so he yeah. wants to. He balance doesn't read that my out. positive feedback. You know, <laughs> I, what did I say? I had close to four thousand positive mm. feedback in the last year. And that's you know that's just the people who took the time to leave the feedback. Yeah. So lots of other people had positive transactions. Of those, you know, four hundred, there were ten who led who left negative feedback in the last twelve months. But these are the things that he focuses on. That's right. So yeah. I thought I'd read a few of these so you can understand. This is, so this is uh, Whetstone's mean tweet version. <laughs> so this, this person said, wow, after waiting and waiting for my order to arrive and no delivery confirmation uploaded, I finally had to contact the seller to get help and they hadn't even sent my order. Had to wait even longer and finally it was mailed and after another week or so it finally arrived. The seller really does not care about a customer after they get our money in their pockets. It's really sad to have such poor business practices. <laughs> so that's that's pretty bad. This is this is what my son thinks likes to think about me. Like how is how is dad really yeah. messed things up here recently? Uh, this one here's another one. First time buyer, last time buyer. <laughs> Took seller nine days to drop one card in the mail. Still haven't received it. Ignored my text message when I asked for the status. Read other feedback. This is common practice. Do yourself a favor. Shop elsewhere. You are one pathetic loser. <laughs> shop elsewhere. Uh, next guy. Extremely slow. Ten days is way too slow in this day and age. I wanted to buy other cards, but when this seller came up again, I left and yeah. bought from a more dependable seller. I'd never throw away money I worked extremely hard for for a seller like this. One star is too much. <laughs> Sticking it to the man. Right. And here are two more that are really succinct. Ridiculously slow to ship. Zero communication. And then my favorite. This is almost poetry here. One of the worst sellers on eBay. That's mm. it. That's just what they left. <laughs> what? But he's can sold. I can I really be one of the worst sellers? You know how many not if you sold forty four thousand sellers in, in a year. One of the worst. Wow, that's 
crazy. So he, he logs on, he, and at first it, it, it kind of bothered me. I was like, man, why? This kind of embarrassing, number one. I mean, some of those things I'm responsible for. I didn't get it shipped in time. I, I, I can mm-hmm. own that. Um, you know, people's expectations are a little high in this day and age with Amazon one-day shipping, and, you know, life happens, and I'm gone, and, and everything. Um, and then I then I wanted to respond like, hey, that's disrespectful that you would be like enjoying that so much that these other people are critical of me. Or I can take the more mature response, which we're talking about today, and I can think, well, what is my son trying to tell me? He's, I, I, I'm sure he didn't think about this and he wasn't like processing yeah. all of this stuff. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe he enjoys someone being critical of me because I'm critical of him. And so it's like, ha ha, how does it feel now? You know, the the shoe is on the other foot. Mm-hmm. Is that the phrase? The shoe is on the other foot? Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think that's... What does that even mean? I, well, <laughs> I keep thinking if the shoe fits. Yeah. But, um, I think that's the phrase. The shoe is on the other foot. You know, how does it feel? The, the, the tables have been turned. And, yeah. The turns have been tabled. <laughs> and... I maybe should take a step back and, and realize, well, maybe he's feeling critical. He's already critical of himself. Teenagers are. My son is especially that way. I was that way. Kind of runs in the family. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to take a step back and and uh, really think before I criticize him and, and really build him up a little bit more. He's been playing soccer and he's working hard at it. And he's not as good as the other people because he hasn't played as long. And, and he lacks a certain amount of just muscle memory that comes with playing the game mm-hmm. but he's getting a lot better but he just focuses on all the negative things and so anyways what, what do you think is that fair is that a good analysis yeah self-reflection i, I would say there's it? probably a mixture there's okay. a mixed bag there that yeah. uh what you said i think comes into play some of it is just like our human nature is to like mm-hmm. Like train we wrecks. just want to see the train wreck. We want to see the negative stuff, and yeah. it's just uh, if it bleeds, there's it just more, yeah, just more exciting, I guess, with with that kind of thing. Right. So I think there's there's some of that, and and also maybe just see a different side of dad that mm-hmm. maybe we're not used to seeing, or we want to see how other people see our dad. I think there's some of that in there, and mm-hmm. and there's just humor because you're. Caleb obviously lives with you and knows you and is like, yeah. that's not who you are. True. You know, it's and ironic. so it's the irony there. And I, so I think when you see some of those that are just absolutely ridiculous, then he sees the humor in that too. And it's just yeah. like, that's really funny. And, those, and this is just the last 12 months. So that some of the yeah. the worst ones, the funnier ones even, uh, have disappeared. <laughs> I was kind of sad when I got on my eBay account and realized they were only there for 12 months, oh. which I'm glad actually because it doesn't yeah. reflect as poorly on me. But I was hoping to find some ones that were just like way over the top because I've, I've received like essays in, in feedback about what a horrible person I am, basically. Wow. Not just a bad seller, but like a bad person. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation of like on the other side of that. Like who's, how sad is that that somebody's got the time to write an essay of how bad somebody is because of it. they didn't a piece of cardboard immediate gratification of what yeah. they wanted. Right. So anyway, well, thanks for sharing that, Axel. That oh, was uh, to lighten it up. And yeah. Appreciate God, that. God is speaking. To, my point is that God is mm-hmm. speaking to us. We need to pay attention. He, God is never not 
communicating with us. Mm-hmm. There's always there's nature, of course. There's there's our, our conscience. There's our, our insight. There's our intuition. There's the, the Bible. There's our friends, the people we surround our, ourselves with. I just wanted to throw out there that our kids are communicating to us through their behaviors. And we, a lot of times, just have a tendency to say, boy, isn't my kid just being rotten now? Aren't they just Yeah, or they're just teenagers. It's just who they are. This it's is, just... right. Maybe it's a sign. Maybe there's some communication, some something going on out there that, that we need to listen to. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to our verse for the day from Isaiah. Let me have you read that one, Brandon. You got it up or... I do. Okay. This is from Isaiah 30, 20 through 22. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. This is the way. (laughs) Walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a minstrel cloth and say to them, away with you. Hmm. Some pretty powerful verbiage there. Strong words. Strong words. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, uh, what's the first thing that sticks out to you there? Well, other than the menstrual cloths, which we can talk about later, the, uh, the idea of, God's voice being beside us and behind us and not in front of us. It, it is in front of us. I'm not saying that he doesn't speak to us directly. Yeah. Um, there are times when he gives us that two by four upside the head um, and just confronts us directly with uh, the truth of our situation. But more often, that truth is coming to us kind of sideways. It's It's something that we have to be attuned to Mm. Um, and I feel like we learn better that way if we if I think about the boys here at the ranch that that direct instruction when you're preaching you know yeah when you're teaching uh, yeah we talked about that this morning not the other it's like uh, less lecture boys don't want lectures yeah you know it's just this doesn't work right but if you have someone behind you, a shepherd, for example, and I think there's some shepherding imagery there mm-hmm. of a shepherd being behind his flock and guiding it with the staff and uh, gently moving the sheep in the direction that, that he wants the sheep to go. Yeah, we've talked about that with um, the space, given mm-hmm. like you're, when you're working with cattle, you know, how you, mm-hmm. you can move cattle and sheep without touching them. You, they have their space and you move them in... Yep. Proximity, right? So yeah, you're Ty kind was of talking about that. On a, yeah, we talked about episode that. Episode number three, I think. Right, uh, holding space. Mm-hmm. What, but, anyways, yeah, it's just that idea. Like our job here is to create an environment, create the space for them to be, you know, help them be motivated themselves, be that voice that they can take ownership in, and it's not just this you know, militant type mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, it's oftentimes best if you can somehow arrange things so that your kids or your students, the person that you're advising or counseling or mentoring, if, if they if they think that they came up with the idea mm-hmm. instead of you giving them the idea. And there are ways, there are tricks yeah. that you develop over Jedi time. Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, Jedi mind tricks that you can use to, to lead your your 
your son, your daughter to that conclusion. But uh, it definitely tends to work out better that way. Gives us more ownership and makes us feel um, more empowered when we do that. Yeah. One thing that stuck out to me was just that first one, how it says the, the very first verse in 20s is the Lord gives you the bread of adversity. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about, wow, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we, we know that to be true and, and God puts things in our lives, you know, Paul's thorn in his flesh. Um, but it made me think of a quote I heard the other day. I don't know who who said it or if it's exactly the way that I, I read it, but it's basically this. Humility gained from our failures is more valuable than confidence we gain from our successes. Ooh, that's good. So there's more value in humility and, and the learning and like the adversity that God puts purposely in our lives to teach us and to learn us, to grow us, to build that foundation mm-hmm. to get to whatever he's got next for us. Right. And so that's the adversity our, our, our kids are going through and the boys that we work with, they're in a, a very emotionally charged situation in a number of ways. And so it's helping them get to that spot of humility to where they could really, then that's when the learning happens. When we can kind of get to that humble spot and be like, okay, I'm separated from my family. Something needs to change. This is not good. Red flags go up. And then being able to to have a foundation to teach them from. That's Mm -hmm. the goal is to really, when they first come in here. Yeah. Let me see if I can repeat that back to you. That was, it was good. Humility gained from our failures is more important than confidence gained from our successes. It's more valuable. More valuable than the confidence gained from our successes. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, My dad used to talk about two foolers. Yeah. If I've mentioned that yeah. here on the podcast board. Yeah. Two foolers, winning and losing, right? Winning gives you overconfidence. Perhaps losing gives you lack of confidence to the point where you are not going to be successful because you're so down on yourself. So you got to watch out for those two extremes. That's but, kind of from the Rudyard Kipling if poem, hmm. isn't it? Like those yeah. two imposters is what yeah. I was thinking, the two foolers. Yeah. But yeah, same idea for sure. Well, Brandon, we are about out of time. Is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to say? Yeah. In regards to this topic? I did, and it kind of Too late, sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to Time to Sharpen. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Not too, I don't want to get too uh, sappy or deep or, or whatever, but I did want to, this, I saw on some posts from, from Dr. Tombley, um, we had a staff here that was Micah uh, Tombley, and it was uh, an anniversary of his uh, passing. Um, mm. And so there were some various things that were posted, that they had posted on social media. And I came across one that was uh, just, some words when he was going through cancer and some words of wisdom that God had given him as he was just battling through that. We think about this adversity that God gives us and, and how he uses us through those situations. And it really applies, you know, as we're, as parents kind of going through these times where we just don't see any way out. Um, but his word of, of wisdom to a, a youth group setting is this particular situation, but he just, from John, uh, 627, it says, uh, do not labor for food 
that perishes. And it's just a very simple verse that's uh, very hard to follow through with. And so relating that back to what we're talking about, looking at our situations as parents, trying to figure out where some of these problems are, very often it can be tied back that what are we striving for? How much are we striving to give our kids all the good things that we didn't have? How much are we, you know, the Bible also says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. You know, why are we trying to just keep up with the Joneses? And why are we both working full time just so we can have all these things to give to our kids so they can have their phones and they can have their iPads and they can have this and that go on these beautiful, extravagant vacations. Like all that stuff is meaningless if we don't have the right relationship with our, our kids and, uh, and our spouses and ultimately God, those are the things that matter. And so if we're laboring for food that perishes, boom, there's some, there's going to be some red flags and there's going to be problems if our priorities are not where they need to be. Yeah. So that's my calories. I'll shut up. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I needed to hear that because it's that time of year coming up where you're planning your vacations and you're like, yeah. let's see, what can I actually afford to do with my family? <laughs> <laughs> how much, how far will this gas get me? And can I yeah. <laughs> afford to eat something once I get there? How many cards do I need to sell before going there? No, that's... Uh-huh. That's good stuff. That also made me hungry for lunch. It's 1230 thinking about parishes. I did want to mention briefly, we talked about news. We do have some, a big thing coming up a week from today, which you may or not hear, you may or may not hear about this in time, but it doesn't matter. It's still big news. We're having a groundbreaking ceremony on May 3rd, 10 o'clock in the morning here at the ranch. Everyone's welcome. If you want to come out, there's going to be coffee, pastries. We have a ribbon cutting shovel digging ceremony thing <laughs> uh it's gonna be cool and uh we're gonna be digging a hole here pretty soon and yeah building this facility to to double our capacity in the next uh year or two so that's huge yeah, it's it is huge, huge. It's, a huge it's huge it's exciting but yeah. also an anxious time it's like i mm-hmm. hope this uh, hole is in the right spot it's right. kind of no going back from here no going back Yep. So, and by the time you hear this, we the ceremony may have already happened. Yeah. But uh, but that's one thing. Another thing is we have a graduation this week. Praise the Lord! Which is uh, it's always great, always mm-hmm. good to see the kids um, going back home and the families be reunited. I think it's going to be like number fifty-two mm-hmm. or fifty-three. I think. Yeah. Something like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Another father-son weekend. Yep. Coming up May twentieth. Mm-hmm. 19th, 20th, and 20, mm-hmm. 21st. That is not open to so, the public, but that's something yeah. we do here that you can pray about is mm-hmm. uh, have fathers on campus and or uncles or grandfathers or parental units, whoever can come yeah. to kind of serve as a, to come alongside that, that boy. And we spent some time out at the cabin and we're going to be doing some canoeing, possibly. Yeah. Canoeing the Jack's canoeing. Fork. That'll be interesting to watch. And, uh, be a part of. Bringing our. Our past therapist, yeah. Matt Foster, is going to be helping, uh, leading some of those sessions. So yes. be excited to see Matt. Maybe we get him on the pod while he's so, here. Yeah. We'll have him join us. There you go. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Matt, pencil us in. <laughs> let's <laughs> have a nice, com- let's have a good conversation. Good chat. Yeah. So, well, good. Yeah. Well, thanks right, for listening man. to A Time to Sharpen. This has been great. Um, as always, thanks to Thomas Brown. Thomas. Our editor, uh, the sound editor. 
Uh, a man of many cats. The chief cat A man collector. of many cats <laughs> for editing the show. Uh, life would be much too normal around here without you, Thomas. So thanks for all the yes. work that you do around here and, and for this podcast. Here, here. Yep. <laughs> Shucks, folks, I'm speechless. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen. All right, take care. Whetstone Boys Ranch is a therapeutic boarding school located in the scenic Ozarks of Southern Missouri. It was founded in 2011 to serve families from around the country who are struggling with challenging behaviors from their 12 to 16 year old sons. Our mission is to sharpen the character of young men. Please visit whetstoneboysranch.com if you want to learn more about our program or about how to contact us for help. Thanks for listening and we hope to catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen.